Well, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, We're just kind of diving into uh, our passage this week. We are week 21 of this study through 1 Corinthians. Uh, If you can also turn, find 1 John chapter 4, where I'm going to kind of run these two passages in parallel. So uh, both of them near the back of your Bible. First John is like, go to Revelation, which is the very last book of the Bible. Go a couple to the left and you will be there. You know, we are in uh, chapter 13, um, and, and last week we kind of had this message of the love chapter, and we're continuing in that message today, and if you've been to a wedding recently, especially if it's a wedding between Christians, you've probably heard or recognized that passage, the, the love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not self-seeking, and on and on and on. And last week I kind of made the, the point or, or used the title, What is Love? And we, you know, had a, a love song pop quiz. Uh, and some of you got very heated at me that um, it is not Whitney Houston. Uh, it was actually Dolly Parton of, of that famous song. Come to find out there's actually a more OG guy. I learned last night, didn't even remember his name because that's how much I don't want to remember it by anything but uh, Whitney Houston. But if last week was What is Love? Uh, today we get to maybe kind of bring in Tina Turner and ask ourselves, well, what's love got to do with it? Uh, There's a great theologian, G.C. Morgan, he says this about chapter 13. He says, examining the love chapter is like dissecting a flower to understand it. If you tear it up too much, you will lose its beauty. What I want to do today with our text is to kind of sulk in that beauty, to to kind of take it in as we begin to to study the last half of chapter 13. So we're going to start in verse 8 this morning, chapter 13, verse 8 of 1 Corinthians. It begins uh, with this simple phrase here, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, says, love never fails. And we're going to pause there already this morning. Love never fails, to which everybody in the room said amen, right? False, wrong, you're a bunch of liars, okay? And here's why, is because, I don't know about you, but love has failed me in life. My love has failed others, others, their love has failed me. My love for my wife, my kids, my friends, my family has failed people. Out of love, or the people I do love, I have done things that I regret. I have said things that I wish I could take back. There are things that even though I love people and these specific individuals that I would say, you know, that probably wasn't the most loving thing. And I guess you could say the same thing too, is that people you love, you have done things to hurt them. You've maybe pushed people away. You have said things you wish you could kind of retract in your life. Let me ask you, do you remember the first time you fell in love? How about... How about the first time you had a broken heart over love? And you're sitting there, you're, you're sulking, it's like, I oh, stop, we're, we're going to be forever, and you have your tub of ice cream and some Sour Patch Kids, just, and I just, we were just meant to be, I thought we were soulmates, and then we just got along, so, and somebody comes along and says, Eric, you were in kindergarten, you threw a rock at her to let her know your affection, this wasn't going to work out. See, love fails us because our love fails Does it not? I can probably confidently say to you this morning that that our love fails. My love has failed people that I care about deeply. I've been harsh to my wife, my kids, friends, family. I put my foot in my mouth. And I can also say the opposite. Friends, family, people who love me have failed me in their love. 
People have drug my name through the mud. They've drove wedges in between and created relational strain. And so my first question is, Paul starts off with this pretty audacious statement, uh, verse eight, love never fails. And I think to myself, Paul, where do you get off? Clearly, you don't live in reality, bro. And maybe this is one of those passages that you come to Scripture and you kind of say, you see, this is why I don't really like the Bible. It makes these claims, these statements, somebody is clearly distant from the way life works. Sure, I get the sentimentality fact of love. I get the emotional, affectionate side of love. But to say that it's never failed, not quite sure I would go there. Unless Paul's talking about a different type of love, different source of love. 1 John chapter 4, I told you to kind of open that passage, verse 16 says, and so we know and rely on the love of God that he has for us, for God, I'm going to underline this so you don't miss it, is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Now, I'm a pastor, not a mathematician. But one of the things I remember about uh, math class is that the word is is, a, is an equal sign. Right? It means they are equal to. And so on one passage of Scripture, we see that love never fails. Another place in Scripture, because Scripture cannot contradict itself, says that God is love. So therefore, doing simple math, we can take out wherever we see love and insert God because God is love. And, and so, so Paul says love never fails. Therefore, we can say God never fails. To which the people of God said, okay, this makes more sense. Amen to this. God never fails, right? Some of you are hesitant to answer because you're wrong again. At least we think on the surface. Like, like saying that love never fails is a pretty bold statement, right? But to say that God never fails is probably one of the most audacious claims that somebody could make. Because you might be sitting here today saying, the reason I kind of turned my back on God, got away from the church, walked away from Jesus, is because I at least feel like God has failed me. I, I, I prayed for healing of that loved one, and it, and it didn't happen. I prayed for, for restoration. I prayed for reconciliation, I prayed for wisdom, I prayed for guidance, I prayed for vision, I prayed for all of these things, and God seemingly hung me out to dry. So I don't really know if I can, can actually trust God to begin with. So he can keep his stupid love. What a dumb thing to say, Paul. <laughs> love never fails. And what the rest of the passage is going to show us, and this is what I want you to do, I want you to lean in to me this morning, is because there is a difference here. I think we, we approach God, we approach God in his love from a, a, a perception of trust. Can I actually trust God? Can I actually trust his love? And what I'm about to show you is that it's not about a perception of trust, it's a perspective of time. That when Paul says love never fails, it's a timing-based thing in the nature, the glory, the majesty of God that makes this statement ring true. Look what he says in the rest of chapter 13, picking back up in verse 8, right? Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. 
where there are, are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. He's talking about these spiritual gifts. Remember chapters 12, 13, 14 about spiritual gifts in the church, these supernatural abilities that the God gives to us to make his name known. He says, these spiritual gifts... They will stop, they will pass away, they will cease. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, I want you to, if you have a Bible, circle, highlight, underline that word when. When completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So here's Paul. He's saying, love never fails. So let me, let me tell you, let me show you, let me reveal to you when you will know and understand this. And he says it's a, it's a when issue. It's a timing-based perspective. And he says that when is in the future, in heaven, uh, with God someday. He says there will come a time when all the gifts will cease. Because in heaven, you know what you don't need? You don't need spiritual gifts. Because right now we have spiritual gifts as containers of God's love. Little things that we are given to to, to bring him glory. But when you are in heaven someday, you are going to be worshiping King Jesus on his throne, in his presence, in his awe, his majesty, and his glory. And Paul says, when that time comes, when completion comes, we don't need these stinking gifts no more, man. Like imagine if we're with me for a moment, okay, just, just, just play this out. You're, you're, you're in heaven, you're off in the future at some point, and, and you're worshiping God. And you're in his presence and you're overwhelmed, you can't know nothing but to say, just holy, holy, holy. And you're there, and Oceans is on 24-7, and your favorite band is up there, whatever's going on. You're, you're just worshiping God, and you've got your eyes closed and your hands raised. Even if you don't do it on earth, you might do it someday and have some eyes, we'll get comfortable doing it now type of situation, Right? And you're there worshiping and someone comes up to you and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, you mind if I give you a quick word of prophecy to edify your soul? Someone taps you on the shoulder. Hey, can you translate for me? I've got this this word of evangelism. I need to share with this person. I think the Spirit is allowing me to speak in a different language so I can tell them about who Jesus is for their life. Excuse me, sir, can I give you a gift of knowledge? Here's what the Word of God means and how it can bring you closer to Jesus in Scripture. And I'm going to tie it into your life. You would be like, what are you doing? Get away from me. I don't need any of that anymore. I'm here. I'm worshiping. I'm with Jesus. Go away. That's dumb. That's pointless. We don't need it anymore because when, when comes, when you are in heaven with Jesus, you are complete. You are finished. You are final. You are fully mature. And so the Apostle Paul says, love never fails because often the future, when in heaven, you will understand it fully. He says, until then, you got to realize you're, you're kind of a child. You've got some growing to do, some maturing to do, but you won't be fully there until you're with Jesus. Now, think about what Paul says. He's, you've got some childish ways that you need to kind of get rid of. Think of how children think about things. Like, if you give a gift to a child, what do they tend to do? If you said play with the box, that might be your kid because that's a thing, not the toy, right? One of the things that, that kids oftentimes do is they pay more attention to the gift than the giver. 
Maybe you, you, you spent all this time research, you found uh, uh, your son, your daughter, a, a grandchild, a, a close niece, nephew, whatever, and you got them the perfect gift and they don't even say thank you. Doesn't it get under your skin just a little bit? You also realize that, that kids don't understand the cost of things. And then you grow up and you realize, man, that stuff was great. That was a gift. Let me give you a few examples. Nap time. Show of hands, adults, how many of you would kill for nap time every single day? Kids, if you're in the room, look around. Keep those, no, adults, hands up. Raise, you know, like, right? We love nap time, okay? You tell a three-year-old to go to nap time. No, I don't want it. Naps are dumb. This is like a prison. I don't know what you're doing. But, ah! And you're like, you're going to change. You're going to wish you could have nap time. And I know some of you, you do nap time because it's the only time you can, like, do stuff in peace, okay? Right? But think about your perspective of nap time changes when you get older. Uh, I remember when I was sick growing up, and uh, you, of course, watched The Price is Right at home, right? Bob Barker, those were the days, and he had that, like, pencil microphone. That thing was weird, but we should probably bring those back. That'd be kind of dope. And, like, you're watching these showcase showdowns, and, and it's like some people, it's like, you didn't win a new car. You didn't win, win a trip to Hawaii. You won a brand-new appliance set. And as a kid, you're like, what are these adults doing losing their mind? And then you become an adult. You're like, yeah, and it had a matching microwave too? That was amazing. Yeah, I don't want the cash value. Give me three appliance sets in exchange for the trip to Rome. I think that's a fair trade. Give me the, right? There's things you understand when you become an adult. Just the sheer cost of stuff. You take your kids to the gas station to get some gas. If they're like my kids, they always say, hey, Dad, can we get a snack? Can we get a snack? And it's like, no, I'm going to get me a snack, but you don't get a snack. No, I don't do that. Sometimes, I don't know. Like you take your kids grocery shopping, yeah, can we get Lunchables? It's like, I'm not going to take a second mortgage out of my house to get you a week's worth of Lunchables. Like the other day, I went across the street to Haymakers, got me a soda and a bag of uh, uh, Funfetti Chex Mix, and it was $8. This is wild, right? And as a kid, you don't understand that. What does a Lunchable cost? I don't know, a penny? It's like, try thirty-seven twelve, right? I don't know. It's wild. And as a kid, there are things that you learn... That when you mature, you begin to appreciate, see, understand the value. And, and what the Apostle Paul is saying, he's saying that in your faith, in your walk with Jesus, in your love for God, there will come a time when you are a grown adult, when you are fully mature and you understand. So when God says, my love never fails, there will come a time when time comes. But until then, you're acting a fool. You're acting like a child. And what does a child do? This is what a child does. A child turns when into, eh, we'll see. That's what a child does. Children turn when, trust me, it's coming. I know what I'm talking about, into, we'll see. Eh, we'll see how expensive that is. We'll see if Lego sets actually cost $1,000. We'll see if nap time is really that important. I think some of us, we approach our relationship with God by saying, I don't know, God, we'll see. You say you love me, but we'll see if you answer my prayer requests my way. You say you have plans for my life, we'll see. And I'll wait and see, and then until you kind of do things my way, then, then I'll be obedient to you. 
that there's a majesty, a glory of Jesus that's worth celebrating now. We'll see if it's worth it. I got to think, like, why do we do this? We do this. I do this. You've done this. Don't pretend you haven't. Why do we turn when until we'll see? It could be because you have a lack of experience with the gift and the giver of the gift, more importantly. The promises of God and the one who gives them, the promiser. Maybe we turn when into we'll see because our selfish desires don't get met in the way we want. And so we think, God, he doesn't like me. I haven't done something to appease him. We turn when into we'll see because, I don't know, maybe we just have a lack of knowledge of who he is. Maybe we don't understand the, the cost of things. But I think the biggest reason we turn when into we'll see because we base it on what we see in this life. That was good. Some of you need to write that one down. We turn when into we'll see because of what we see in this life. This is what I see. This is the way I think things should be. This is the way that I understand them. We see things a certain way, and so we just naturally assume and assert that God must be fully what we see, know, realizes. And what the Apostle Paul says, remember, it's not a perception of trust. It's a perspective of timing. There is a when that is coming. There will be a time in history for all eternity in which everything will be made complete, and then you'll see. You'll understand him, his love, his majesty, and his glory. But until then, realize you're just a child, and there are things that you don't quite know and understand yet. This is what Paul says, wrapping up chapter 13, picking back up in in verse 12. He says, for now we see... See, I wasn't making it up, people. We see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face, a.k.a. we will be standing in front of Jesus face to face. Now I know only in part. I only see a partial glimpse, but I shall then, when, know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So what Paul says is, is what, what you actually see right now is this much. There's a massive picture of what God is, what he's doing, his plans, his love for you, but you only get a little part. You only get a reflection, a reflection of what is actually there, a double-sided glass. There's actually something that you see, but there's more going on behind the surface. And so Paul is saying that that time will come when you will see everything fully. And when that time comes, he says you will fully understand what God sees. And what God sees is, is this. He sees his son, Jesus. See, that word when... Uh, tied to when completion comes. It's this Greek word, beautiful word, means telios, telos. It, it's very akin to the Hebrew word shalom, peace, harmony, unity, perfection, finished. And so Paul says, when completion comes, you will fully see. You will fully understand what I see, and all that I see is the majesty, the beauty, the perfection, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. 
You tracking with me? He says, when is coming, teleos is coming. And when you get to Jesus, when you stand face to face, because you're not yet, when you are partially known, but someday you will be fully known, then you will understand when, when my spirit said to Paul, write this down, love never fails, you will get it. But he says something interesting, but he says, until then, all you've got is a, is a mirror. All you've got is a reflection. All you've got is something that kind of gives you an image, but you're not quite sure of what it is. Now, it's interesting because when we read the word mirror, some of you are like, Eric, that's not a mirror. Don't know if you know this or not. Here's the thing. Our our English language, kind of a little wonky. We don't have best translations. Uh, Back in that time, the Corinthians were actually known for their mirrors. But back then, mirrors weren't as we have mirrors. They were oftentimes either polished metal. So the Corinthians, they're really good, this really fancy bronze. They would polish it up. (laughs) And, you you know, you could show it. It was also sometimes uh, something silver behind something glass. If you have a different translation than the NIV, the one we typically preach out of, you might have noticed it gives you some different words. It doesn't use the term mirror. It says other things. The New Living says we see things imperfectly like a puzzling reflection. The ESV says we see in a mirror dimly, not wholly. The King James Version says we see through a glass darkly. When is coming? There is a time, there is a moment, but until then, that's all you got. You've got a partial reflection. You've got something that doesn't let you see the whole picture yet. Yes, love never fails, but what do we see? What do we see? When you look in the mirror, spiritually, before God, what do you see? You probably don't see something finished. You probably don't see something perfect. You probably don't see something whole. If you see even a glimpse of what what I see when I look into the mirror, I see something blemished, something broken, something that's still quite a work in progress, something that's still wrestling with some of the same things. What What do you see when you look in the mirror? Let me show you what God sees. Because when we see what he sees, then we'll understand. But until then, it's just a reflection. First John chapter 4, if you want to know how God sees you, understands you, views you, First John chapter 4, starting in verse 9, I'm going to read it. You can follow along. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The teleos, the complete, it is there, it has happened, it is finished. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. That he has given us the gift of his spirit. Those partial things that will pass away when, when comes. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son into the world to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, he lives in them and they in God. I think what happens is, is we oftentimes we have a, an image problem. You turn around and you, you look into the mirror. And we have a problem because we, we assume that what we see and what's looking back at us is what exactly God sees. So that when we look into the, the dark glass, what we see is somebody who ain't perfect. Somebody who's a work in progress. Somebody who's a little bit more, more blemished than they would let on. Somebody who puts a, a Christian mask on on Sundays but has no desire to actually love and follow God the rest of their life. When we look into the mirror, we see somebody, well, I cheated on my spouse. I drive wedges into my relationships. When we look into the mirror, we just naturally see and assume that, that what we see is how God sees us. That the reflection looking back ain't pretty. It definitely ain't the whole picture. And it's probably a whole lot more messed up than we would care to recognize or realize. And that is what we do. We, we assume we have an image problem that when we look into the mirror, that what we see is what God sees. And Paul says that's not what he sees. Because he doesn't see you now. He sees you when. When everything is finished, when everything is complete, when everything is whole. God doesn't see you as you see you. God sees you as he sees you. And you want to know how God sees you? If you came this morning trying to figure out, God, how do you see me? Where's my spot? This is how God sees you. So that the only thing left standing in your life is Jesus Christ. The only thing that God sees in you is not the reflection, it's not the blemish, it's not all the pieces. He says, I can make whole with that. Give me the pieces, give me the broken, because that's why I came. And you say, Eric, but you don't understand what I see. And God says, I don't care what you see, because when I look at you, that's what I see. God says, well, I don't really know, you don't really know what I've done. And God says, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your past, it doesn't matter, because you will do even more things that break his heart. But it's not about what you've done. It's about what he did for you. You don't know how I view myself. You don't, you don't know my, my worth. You don't know what other people tell me what I'm worth. And God says, that's your worth. That's the value I see in you. A perfect sacrifice that took your place. But, you, but what I see is something tarnished, is something broken, something not whole, something not complete, something not mature, something that's, that's not love, something that's, that's not valuable. And he says, but that's not what I see. Because what I see is when. When. When you are with me in glory in the name of Jesus. That's what I see. God doesn't see you as you see you. He sees you as he sees you. So how is it that the Apostle Paul can say, love never fails? 
in a world in which love seems to fail us all the time, it's because he doesn't see what you see. He sees Jesus, perfect, loved, whole, complete. It's a timing issue. You see you for now. He has the ability to see you for when. So what's love got to do with it? It's that God's love breaks the blemished into perfection. God's love's not trying to break you down even more to show you, I oh, see, you're just garbage, you're worthy. He says, give me the pieces because when is coming. I, I know what you've done, God says. The whole reason that I sent him in the first place to take your place is because I, I know who you are and that is still how I see you. That is still your value, that is still your worth, that is still your plan, that is still your purpose. You might see darkly, you might see dimly, you might see a piece, a reflection that isn't whole, but I get the whole picture. And trust me, you're going to like what I see because I see my son, Jesus, when I look at you. You find it interesting how Jesus consistently attracted the people that were broken? lost, confused, unsure of how to navigate life. Like the people who would maybe look in a mirror and say, I don't know, I kind of like what I see. I don't see a whole lot of flaws. Might be able to fix that, might be able to change that a little bit over there. Those were the people that Jesus was like, I can't help you. But if you come to me and you say, I'm, I'm flawed, I am blemished, I am broken, I need love, I need purpose, I need hope, I need faith. He says, you've come to the right place because I see I see when God sees the blemished you and he still calls you by name. God sees the, the blemished you and he still says you are loved. God sees the broken you and says, but I will make you whole. You might be beat down, but he says you're not destroyed. You might be cast aside, but you're never alone. You might be a son and a daughter in this world, but you are also a son and daughter of the Most High King. Love never fails because it's the same thing as pointing to Jesus. I'm going to close with this passage from 1 John chapter 19. I want to read this over you as we continue to worship and prepare for communion this morning. John puts it this way. He says, we love because he first loved us. So whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to stop seeing what you see and see what Jesus sees. Stop seeing what you see in the mirror of faith and know that God doesn't see you partially blemished, broken. He sees Jesus. And I would venture to guess, just on a hunch, that if we can learn to see others the way that God sees them too, that there would be a contagious love that could not 
It's a message that I think the world desperately wants to know. And when, when faith requires difficult things from us, how do I love difficult people? How do I forgive 70 times seven times? How do I give to the church when, when I don't feel like or know how ends will meet? How do I serve faithfully? How do I commit to my next step? How do I share my faith? How do I walk in both grace and truth? How do I lay down my preferences for the sake of the glory of God? How do I humble myself before others? How do I find my identity in Jesus alone? How do I seek to find work in my marriage? How do I lead my household? How do I break generational sin? How do I find meaning beyond my job or my GPA? How do I hand over the crippling lust of my heart? How do I go about this thing? And, and God says to you, he says, my love never fails. That is how I see. And I would guess you needed that message this morning. I needed that message this morning. But the world needs that message too. So let us work at seeing others the way that Jesus sees them. That is we do. Let me pray as we continue to worship this morning. We're going to head into a time of communion. And perhaps there's no greater way in which God showed and expressed his love for us than the sending of his perfect son to die on the cross for our sin. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In order for us to see what God sees, we need to first know how he sees us that is loved by Jesus, restored by Jesus, redeemed by the body broken and the blood shed. And that's what communion is. It's that representation. It's that reminder that Jesus' body was broken for you. His blood and the juice represented uh, that was shed for you as an example. Exhibit A, that love never fails. Let me pray for us as we worship this morning. Jesus, you are King, you are Lord of our lives, of our hearts, of our minds. I thank you that, that you see us in the when, that you see us for, for who we will be at some point face to face in you, fully known by the Son of God. And I pray over all of our people this morning, Lord, that you give them the sense and reminder of how you see them. God, we are broken. We are sinful. We've made mistakes probably more than we even know or realize, but as even the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 5, when we were still sinners, you died for us so that we could know your love, have your love, experience your love, but also share your love. It is the most excellent way. It is the most praiseworthy thing. Faith, hope, and love, but love is the greatest thing. We thank you for your gift of love. And Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who has not experienced that love, who has not given themselves over to that love because they think, well, here's what I see or here's what I've done or here's what I think my worth is, may you say, no, 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 but what God sees in them is Jesus Christ, your son, dearly beloved, and that is the invitation he offers. And so may they receive that this morning with grace. 
May they receive that truth this morning and may they experience your love in a powerful way. Transform our hearts, transform our minds, transform everything about us because of your love that never fails. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you.